Hey, what's up guys, and welcome to episode one of the Spectre podcast. This will be a Q&A podcast for episode one, uh, where myself, Tim Schreckengost, and Brady Mason, um, we just kind of scour the internet for questions that the, the Everyday Archer posts online, and we answer them here in the podcast. Well, I'll be reading the questions, and Brady will be answering them. Yeah. He has way more experience in archery than I do. So. And I'm kind of in the dark right now. I have no idea what kind of questions are going to be asked, so yep. I'm in for a surprise. We're coming to you real and raw here in the, uh, the Spectre studio, which is also a game processing laboratory. <clears throat> anyway, all right, guys. <laughs> Let's get started. Let's do it. So all right, I'm just going to get right... I got these questions back on June 19th from mostly Archery Talk. And I will also give the name of the person that posted on Archery Talk. Oh, Lord, here we go. I'm helping individual people. Yes. Question number one. Always shot a wrist release, but keep hearing everyone apparently is switching to a back tension thumb release. Are the benefits really worth the switch? Um... See, that's a tough question. Everybody seems to be going into the direction of a back tension or a thumb button or whatever it is. They're going away from the wrist releases. Um, personally, I still shoot a wrist release I've, and trigger release. That's what I mean by wrist release. I feel more comfortable with it. I feel more anchored. I feel uh, just more accurate in general. And that's what it's all about. It's your accuracy and how you feel. Now, I have tried back tensions. I have tried thumb buttons. And, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't shoot well with them. I personally just did not shoot as well as I wanted to. Some people, it just works out better. And the only thing I can really suggest is to try it. I mean, and it's not going to be the first time you pick it up and shoot, you're going to shoot better or worse, and that's, that's what you should go with. You need to shoot it for a while. I mean, I picked up a back tension, and I shot it for two and a half years before I realized, like, it's just not for me. Like, I have to go back to the trigger release. And, I mean, I've shot better in competition, I've shot better hunting, everything with my trigger. So I just decided to stick with it and just perfect that. But, yeah, you definitely need to just find out for yourself what you're more comfortable with and what you're better shooting. So there's no real it's better for you or it's worse for you. It just depends on you. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree on that. Because um, I, I actually I, I prefer a hinge. Um, but, it, you know, again, it just all depends on 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 the person you know it took it took me a while to get used to it you know it doesn't happen overnight and uh still not perfected it you know i kind of go back and forth between a hinge and a thumb and and i'll still use a trigger um you know a wrist a wrist strap release every now and again but i feel like i have more control with the uh with the thumb and the hinge um than than i do even with the wrist strap i don't know i don't know why i just I feel more comfortable shooting that way, and since I first picked up a thumb button, you know, I kind of kind of went down the rabbit hole. I was like, oh man, you know, I, I think I had the hot shot vapor, which is about as entry level as you can get with a with a thumb, mm -hmm. and uh, I immediately progressed to the X spot, which is a heavier heavier uh, hot shot release, and then I got a Scott backspin. I think off Facebook is where I got that, and um, I've been in love with that. I was kind of bummed when it broke. And I uh, had to send it in to get fixed. So I've been shooting that, and, I mean, really it just comes down to shooting as much as you can. Yeah, and, 
I mean, it also comes down to one normal, like the price. Most of the time trigger releases are cheaper in general than the thumb button or back tensions, especially back tensions because most of them are for competition use and there's a lot more engineering and machining involved, so there's more parts, but it's, it might be more expensive. But it also uses uh, different muscles. So when you're drawing back with a trigger release, I mean, yeah, you're using your uh, back muscles to pull it back. And once you're back there, you're basically just trying to stay still. Where a thumb button or a back tension, you're actually using a little more bicep into it, which doesn't really make much sense. But when you, the way you're holding it, your palm is basically facing outward, which will activate your bicep. And when you're pulling the trigger, the thumb, or you're doing the back tension the correct way, you're supposed to squeeze your back. So you're always working something. Um, but yeah, again, that just comes down to what you're more comfortable doing. I mean, it could be anybody. I've seen girls shoot back tensions better than guys, and I've seen other people shoot triggers that wouldn't look like anything because they're shooting this real expensive bow and they're shooting a $20 trigger, but they might shoot better than anybody who's shooting a $200 back tension. Yeah. So. Yeah, it just all comes down to what works for you, like you started out with. Every, everybody's different, and uh, yeah, anything else for that one? No, that's a good question. All right. <clears throat> Brady definitely has more experience in this question than I do. This is not, it's a, not a general archery question. It's more of a hunting question, um, but again, we kind of do whatever, whatever kind of provides value for the audience, so... Um, what are the best boots for elk hunting? <laughs> um, I don't mean to like rag on any company, but definitely not muck boots or slip like, like slipping boots. boots. Yeah. yeah, rubber boots. I mean, they're great for the scent control, but for walking that kind of terrain and distance, it will rub the livings out of your heels, mm -hmm. and you'll be raw by the end of the first day. And I mean, you can talk to Brad, you can talk to anybody that I've ever been hunting with, any guide your feet are the most important part of elk hunting because you're always on them. And uh, to me, I, I just knew like, hunt, like hiking boots are good. And the first time I went out, I took out a pair of like combat uh, army boots, which were great. They're tennis shoes, they're nice and light, but they didn't really have much in the way of ankle support. And I have really weak ankles. And when you're out there, I don't care if you have strong ankles or weak ankles, um, you're gonna almost roll it. If not, you will roll an ankle and possibly get hurt so i i now use kenetrek boots and they're real stiff rugged break in like the first two days you wear them i mean they're they're already good and there's no rock into it so like you're not gonna when you push off of it your foot's not gonna flex real good like a tennis shoe but you need that rigidity when you're going up and down rock faces right. i think i mean it helps you really dig into the side of the mountain and you can hike all day long but the other thing that comes with boots is your socks. Yeah. Don't wear cotton socks. Wear wool socks. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a big thing to get that extra cushion behind your heel. And, it, well, doesn't absorb the water like you'd think. Like, cotton just absorbs it up, and it's in there. Wool, it doesn't. It, like, it feels like it'd be in there, but once you pull it out, it's pretty much dry for the most part. Yeah, all good points, man. That's... Any any time I've hiked out west in Utah shed hunting or whatever, I've worn a pair of Kenetrex, um, you know, Kenetrex lace-ups and never had a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, just some other brands that kind of come to mind, just so if you guys are looking for boots, you know, just some other 
brands again we're not sponsored by any of these companies or anything this is just stuff that we kind of see online there's crispy a good friend of ours scott uh lawrence bought a pair of those and you know they're pretty popular out west and he wears them here in pennsylvania shed hunting for elk um there's hoffman boost there's lathrop and sons i know lathrop and sons they do the real custom experience uh they like send you a molding kit to your and so it's like a super custom pair of boots oh wow they mold it to your foot um i think it goes back and forth twice before before they finish the product uh, so there are a lot of options out there and again you know you know those those are just a few there are uh, a bunch of boot companies and really just like anything else figure out what works for you and stick with that if you want to try something new give that a shot yeah and i think with boots you definitely get your money's worth if you put the money and investment into a pair of boots it's going to last you and if they don't normally they come with some kind of warranty yep. um like my Kenetrex, that i wish i had them every year i went but the first year i used them it was a life changer and back to like the lace-up part you definitely want to be able to tie your boots as tight or as loose as you want it because i know throughout the day my boots wear a certain way or might loosen up in a certain spot i'll untie it retighten it in those certain areas mm -hmm. and that way it fits my leg better because you don't want those boots rubbing whatsoever yeah all good points all right, here's an, another question for, I guess we're not saying the names, but this, this question comes from, I will start now, Meat Man on Archery Talk. Can deer sense you staring at them? <laughs> I, I honestly say yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's one of those things, when you're in a crowd and you're, you're, and you're talking to your buddies and you're looking mm -hmm. at somebody or there's something embarrassing happening on, or even when you're talking with your guy friends and there's a girl like, hey, look at her, and as soon as you look... They just happen to look at you. And it's like, all right, what are the chances? Yeah. Well, with deer, I think it's the same way, except it happens every time. Every time I see a deer and it's minding its own business, I'm really locked down on it, it'll just snap its head like it knew I was there. Like I have light bulbs coming out of my eyeballs. It, I don't get it, but they have that sixth sense. And you think they do that just for humans or... Because like when you think about a deer and like a, every single bird is going to watch that deer walk through the woods. Yeah, I... I think they just know. I mean, that's their house. Are their spidey senses tingling? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think about it. If you're walking yeah. through your house and yeah. let's say you have no pets, nothing, and there's just a dog sitting in the corner and that, that's never you. been there before and yeah. it's not like you look directly at it, but you knew like in your peripheral vision yep. something's not right. You're going to look right at where it was, yeah. like what was wrong. You're going to notice a dog. That's what deer are like. They live there all their lives, every day. It's not like us in the woods where we go there and we're looking for something to move. They know what every tree looks like. They know what everything's supposed to be. And when you're a blob up in a tree, they're going to notice that, whether they're looking right at you or not, and they will get their attention eventually, and they'll look right up. If they don't, hats off to you. You did a good job. Yeah, yeah man. Like no one, no one's, When I think about it, I kind of think of like any time they you know, smell anything that's out of place, then they're like, okay, someone's here. Yeah, everything someone's, someone's starts in to... in my house. Mm -hmm. Where are they at? Yep, you know, that's I'm exactly walk, I still, I'm still going to walk through here, but you better believe if they blink, <laughs> I'm going to see them. <laughs> um, yeah, they definitely, they definitely notice. I don't think it's a sixth sense, but yeah. they definitely have a feeling when something's different, yep. and they notice it real quick.
this one here, it's a kind of like it's a question for an archery tech by Kluke Dog on Archery Talk. What are torqueless D loops? Torqueless D loops. Yeah. Okay. Um, School of. Do you know? <laughs> I, I, I do know, I believe I know what he's talking about. Um, it's really the way you tie in a D loop. Um, it's kind of hard without showing, but I'll do my best with just talking. But when you put a D loop on one, like the one side of your arrow where your knocking point is, when you tie it, you're going to have that one end piece that's just hanging there. Yep. Well, it's going to start, let's just say, if you have the bow straight out in front of you and the string facing you, it might start on the left side. Well, when you finish it, you're going to want to cross it over the string so it looks like it's going from the left to the right. Yep. That will keep it from torquing as much as possible. Now, that only works if you're right-handed. If you're left-handed, you want it starting on the right side, going to the left, down. Um, and because if you do it the opposite way, the way your hand naturally cans when you're right-handed, your palm wants to go out. If you put it from the right side going to the left and you do that, it just adds more torque onto your string and will actually, I mean, it's not much you'll notice, but your shot will really notice. And let's say you have a really jumpy cam or a really shallow cam groove, uh, it could cause some problems and you could really notice it. Yeah, with tuning. Yeah, it's really tough, like I said, to answer it just by talking about it, but to be able to show you. Yeah, maybe we can do a video on YouTube or something later, and I'll address that and show like exactly what I mean Mm -hmm. by the torqueless part. But yeah, that is a real thing. I mean, you and if you put, and a lot of people just tie them both on the same side, which isn't terrible, but it's I don't think it's the best way to do it. So yeah. That's that's a real question. That's a good one. Yeah, we want to do a video on that one. All right. So here's a, a kind of like a do-it-yourself um, archery tech question. Okay. By again by Kluke Dog. He seems like he wants to get into like doing some of the work himself, which is pretty cool. First time t- trying to install a peep site. Is this something I can do myself, or is it a two-person job to get it placed correctly? Any other tips, advice, welcome as well. Um, you can do it by yourself. I personally do it by myself. Yeah. As long as you have a bow press, and that's just about it. I mean, if your strings are split perfectly in half, you might need to twist your string every so often and get it to line up right. Yeah. But, I mean, you can do it by yourself. You pull back, and if it's too high or too low, you move it just little bits yeah. at a time until it lines up. And but always have it semi-tied. You never, never just have a loose peep in there because, let's say you either dry fire or you have an arrow in it, but you pull the trigger on accident, that peep can fly anywhere, and you don't want it to come back and hit you because I mean it can take your eye out. I've heard stories of that happening, and I've actually a buddy of mine, he did it once. He drew back and he said, "Oh, I'm just going to shoot," and he shot, and that peep hit his riser and came back, hit him just below the eye. And put a little cut in them. I mean, it's going real fast. That's but, crazy. Uh, yeah, you can do it by yourself. It's a lot easier with a second person because yep. while you're at full draw, they can move that peep where it needs to or yeah, twist the string for you. The string, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a press is definitely necessary for sure if you're going to install the peep, you know, yourself. Yeah. Adjusting it, you don't, well, if you have to twist the string, you need it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't really use those uh, string splitters, those yeah, little metal pieces. About that, the yellow thing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. I don't use those, and I suggest not, and definitely not a butter knife. Like, do not do that because it might not be sharp to you, but a string that's under a couple hundred pounds of pressure, it's going to snap, yep. and you just it's don't want to chance that. Hard, it's hard to find true center. Yeah. Too. You know, true. Because I got to count split. strands. Yeah. I mean, most bow strings are 24 strands, so I got to count 12 mm-hmm. and then figure out, okay, which 12, like, actually fit right like yep. which one split the best yeah and yeah so definitely a bow press that's really important and the the peep is a super important piece um to the puzzle because if your peep isn't isn't aligned perfectly you're not going to look through it the same every single time so it's going to affect your sh- every single shot that you take so i mean make really make sure that when you do install a peep or you take your peep somewhere that it's absolutely perfect and that, that you're anchoring the same way every single time because if you're not and you look through that peep differently you're not going to be very consistent with your shot yeah and there's and with peeps there's lots of ways to tie them in i mean you can just tie them in with a simple square knot and then be done but i personally like to make sure it doesn't move at all like i don't want it to push up or down if I, either i'm touching it or someone else i don't want it to move whatsoever mm-hmm. um there's a lot of different methods out there. I mean, a lot of people like using the Levi Morgan method, which puts a, like a twist on one half of the string on the bottom, and then it ties around, and then it puts the like little spiral twists on the other side of the string on the mm-hmm. top half. I mean, it looks real neat. It, it works. It really does. It t- it's a little more time-consuming. Um, I personally... Perfect too, though. Like yeah. That, that one has to be absolutely perfect when you tie it in. There's, like, zero room for error. Yeah, you get a... Uh, I wouldn't say it come loose, but the little spirals might like start to slide yeah, a little bit right. and then bunch up, and it won't look as nice. Right. Um, I personally use a method that I learned from Tim Gillingham. Um, you can look it up on YouTube too. He'll show you we, exactly we can put how a link to, to that in the uh, description notes here. Yeah, I mean it's it's very simple to tie it in, and it doesn't look the absolute prettiest, but it's not ugly whatsoever. And I think it uses the least amount of material. And that thing is bulletproof. I mean, I can't budget. I mean, whether I'm grabbing the bow and really ripping at it, it it's very hard to move that thing. And that's what I want because I don't want that peep falling out whatsoever. But that's the method I use for myself and anybody that comes into the shop that wants a peep tied in, unless they suggest wanting it a different way. Then I'll right. do what they want. But if they just want me to tie it in, I do it that way. Yep. Here's a everyday um, <clears throat> issue that we all run into when we're shooting. Is it normal to check that field points are tight every shot? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I Every single shot, yeah. I'm up there like tightening them all. Even if they are tight, I still I loosen and tighten it again. Like yeah. It's just a habit. I do it every single shot. I guess I do. I do check it every shot. Um, one way to... I think it's definitely normal for archers if, if you're pulling, you know, if, if you're serious about what you're doing, you know, because as that turns out, that field tip turns out, even if it gets a thread or two turns out, you know, I don't know how much that affects your shot. It's just probably more of like a mental thing anyway. Well, like, you can ruin the threads of your insert yeah, or uh, field tip or broadhead, whatever you're shooting, because if it's threaded out a little bit and it takes that impact or say yeah, you shoot it into wood true. or something, 
it might just destroy those threads and now it's stuck in there forever yeah. or you can't reuse it. So yeah, bend, bend the uh, threads out. Yeah, the threads. Yeah. Yeah. One one thing that you could do to uh, to fix that is is put a little uh, string wax on your threads and thread it in. It's kind of like a yeah, I've I've heard that it yeah. holds it in without seizing it up. Instead yes. of using Loctite, yeah, you don't need a whole lot either. Like it, and it'll come loose, but you can get more shots out of it. You know, if, especially with broadheads. Yeah. If you're if you're going into the woods, you know, putting just a little bit of string wax on those threads and threading it in there, you know, it, it could really, it just kind of it's a little easy on the mind. Then mm -hmm. you know, one less thing to worry about. Yeah, the amount of times broadheads hit little branches or twigs, yeah, whatever. Or your arrow gets jacked. Yeah, quiver, and it yeah. just slowly spins out, and you don't notice it until you pull back, and all of a sudden there's no broadhead on it. I mean, yeah, that that little trick does help a lot. Yep. Next question. I didn't write the names down for these other ones, but... Way to go, Tim. Uh, I know. <laughs> Lighted knocks. Who uses them and which ones? <laughs> I don't want to be biased, but who uses them? Everybody I know. Yeah. Everybody that hunts now, because why not? I just think it's the coolest thing when you watch your arrow go exactly where yeah. either you put it or you can see where it hit so you know whether it was a good ethical shot or not, whether you should chase it down and try to find your animal that night yeah. or let it go for the day. Um, and for me, it's Luminoc. It's the, the original uh, Luminated Aeronoc company, and... To me, they're just the best. One, they're the brightest knocks there are mm -hmm. because they use actual colored LED lights rather than like a white LED light and just put a different color knock in. And they make them for every size arrow, and they even suggest if you call them up and you have an arrow that you want and you don't know what size it is, even though the packaging will say, if you call them, they'll tell you exactly what knock you want. Or like me, I have a really small micro diameter knock. They make... Uh, little adapters, little aluminum adapters that will slide over your arrow as like an outsert and then it'll fit the H knock, which is probably yeah. their best and brightest knock. And I've had the best luck with that. Yeah. But, and and the, uh, the owners are really cool people, like really yeah. good people. Kurt and Eric are just yeah. awesome, outstanding people. Yeah. So you're not going to, you're not going to meet a better couple of guys. You know, if you're at a trade show, stop by their booth and and just say hello really down to earth and they're just normal people just like us yeah and cool. everything's made in the u.s right there in illinois yeah. i mean i went to their factory once and it was just so cool seeing the entire process and like not one part of it was made somewhere else it was yeah. all there and, and except for the knocks themselves and they outsource that to a knock company i want to say it's boning but I, I'm not certain, but they use an actual knock company's knocks. They don't manufacture their own knocks because that creates some issues. I mean, they, they're, if you make homemade knocks, they're not designed specific for arrows. And even if they are, they might have slipped up on certain kinds of little tricks. But yeah. boning, I mean, they make them just for arrows all year round. So they get them straight from them and... I mean, I, to me, they're just the best knocks. They're most durable. Uh, just can't beat it. Yeah. Um, and for for sake of for the sake of being unbiased, uh, same thing with the boots. There, uh, because I use Luminoc as well. Um, there are a couple other lighted knock companies. Uh, Nocturnal 
and um, they have like different strobing, different colors yeah, and whatnot. Lots of variety yeah, there. Universal stuff and also clean shot. They have universal knocks as well. Um, so, you know, basically those, those universal type setups, they're not like a specific diameter. Um, they come with three different size bushings and uh, you basically pick which one that fits your arrow shaft. Yeah, that's pretty neat too because if you don't know and you don't want to yeah. accidentally buy something wrong, you can buy that universal pack yeah. and then figure it out. Yeah. Whatever one you like, then you just keep buying that universal pack. Yeah, yeah um, it's because if you don't have your shaft with you or if you don't call Luminoth, like... Or use their pay, little yeah, the guide, uh, guide or whatever. Yeah, you can screw up, but... Yeah. And you don't want to jam one of those down in there. And, and <laughs> you, you won't get them out. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get it out. Or you won't be able to return the pack of knocks. Yeah. Because you'll ruin it. <laughs> yep, pretty much. But Yeah, those, those universal knocks are pretty nice. All right. Oh, boy, this looks like it's going to be a good question because he's giving me a look. <laughs> Feathers or veins? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we're just going through all. It, I'm serious, man. When I went through archery talk, I just it's just good stuff to talk about. When you work at a bow shop, I mean, like we both have, like these are questions that that old guys come in, or even guys that are just getting back into archery. Like these are questions they ask. But like, does anyone use feathers anymore? Yes. Some. Yes, you know. Man. But go ahead on this one. Oh boy, see yeah. this is a this is a tough one because. I personally am a, a vein guy. Like, they're just more consistent. They're they're manufactured pretty much perfect. And I mean, you can get consistent weights, consistent flight, no matter what, because like very good adhesion to your arrow. Um, feathers. I, I I have some friends that use them still, especially yeah. in competition. Not much in the way of hunting anymore. I do have a few, but. Most of them would use them in competition, and that's because they're typically more um, forgiving mm -hmm. of a like type of fletching. Um, they react better in the air, I believe. Uh, they'll stabilize your arrow faster, but the problem with them is they're so inconsistent with weight, especially the colored ones because their ink died. And sometimes the ink will clump up on certain spots and not others, or they're just not cut the same, or like the stem of the feather might be cut extra wide or too thin, you can't quite get it on. And to me, they're just a pain in the butt to put on your arrow. Yeah, you have to use that double-sided tape. Double-sided tape, put a dot of glue yeah. on each side. You got to make sure the, the tip of the feather is cut consistently. And, yep. Uh, I have a couple friends that I hunt in Ohio with, and that's, they use feathers on their compounds. Like, that, they live by it, dude. Really? Yeah, they live by it. I'm just like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm in the 21st century. I'm just going to use veins. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. It just, you know, because I've fletched some with the, the double-sided tape. Yeah, the, I think boning sells it with the feathers. And uh, mm -hmm. it's just odd. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't, like, I don't know if I... It, the veins just seem way more consistent than feathers when you're when you're mounting them to the arrow. Yeah, and it also depends on what you're shooting. I mean, if you're shooting a compound bow, I suggest plastic veins. 
really one for consistency and mainly because of the adhesion. Those bows now are so fast and you need a really good strong connection between the glue of the arrow and the vein for it to stay on, especially if you hit something. I mean, if you accidentally get a little bit of contact with your bow or you shoot down range and goes through a target or through the animal, chances are that vein's still going to be on there. Um, with feathers, I've noticed a lot of issues with compound bows because they're just so fast and they don't have the best connection. And I mean, if you hit it off your bow, it might just be too much pressure or speed for it to handle, just rip off or shoot it through a target. Actually, just about every time your feathers are going to fly off. But if you're shooting a recurve, I suggest nothing but feathers. And it's back to the forgiveness part it's more forgiving your arrows will fly better and i mean it just looks cooler because you're shooting a recurve yeah. <laughs> but yep old school yeah i hope that answered that question that that's a it's pretty much a personal preference one what you feel like dealing with mm-hmm. but in the cases of what stays on better and what's more consistent definitely veins all right next question Next question. Which arrow is best to use, plastic, carbon, or aluminum? I think <laughs> I think we're all into the carbon stage now of this life. Yes, yes we are. That, are that's still, not even... There are still some folks that shoot old aluminum arrows. Yes. But... You can't find them anymore. Yeah, the majority... Yeah. If you want be... aluminum, they have full metal jackets, which yeah. is best of both worlds. Yeah. But what, what's that? What is, is is there a, a carbon shaft on the inside of the FMJ or there? There's both. There's uh, there's the carbon injections. Right. And then is that new this year? I believe it's new this year or last year. And there's like full metal jacket, which is the outside. Mm-hmm. And then there are some yeah, where so it makes sense. The, yeah. <laughs> Good job, too. <laughs> but then there's other ones. I I believe it's Easton that makes them, but I can't remember which arrow it is where the carbon is on the outside. It's wrapped around the aluminum. Hmm. And it can go either way, I believe. I'm, I'm not 100% positive on that, but I do believe I've seen an arrow that had the carbon on the outside of the arrow. Yeah, with, uh, with the aluminum, it gets pretty tricky with uh, bending. You know your arrow. Yeah. Plastic is not as durable as. Uh, I honestly as carbon. haven't seen yeah. plastic arrows. I've seen fiberglass arrows, right. but that's more of that may have been bow fishing. Yeah. That may have been what they were talking about. Like, Again, I didn't write notes on these questions or anything, and um, it may have been like a fiberglass, um, which breaks really easily. Yeah, they're they're heavier, but they they tend to splinter and break a little easier. Now, for bow fishing, it's great because they're cheap right? and heavy, so it cuts through the water. But yeah, for hunting, you're pretty much sticking with carbon arrows or carbon and aluminum. But I don't think anybody's really going with aluminum arrows anymore. They're just, they're outdated. And the oh, problem sorry. with aluminum is with these high-speed bows, when you shoot, your arrow is supposed to flex. Well, I've seen cases where aluminum arrows flex too far yep. and they're bent before they even hit anything 
So in the air, they bend, and they don't fly straight. That's crazy. So it's it's kind of a tough one. We should get the high-speed camera and see if we can see that in action. <laughs> Put a 500 spine right. aluminum arrow into an 80-pound bow. <laughs> bend it in half. <laughs> Flex Friday. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> All right, next. I like these kind of beginner questions because I think a lot of people, when they come into a bow shop, you know, they really don't know what questions to ask, mm-hmm. you know. And there's going to be people out there that might not like our answers versus what they think. And look, we're not trying to argue with anybody or start anything. We're going off of what we see in our shop, what we've dealt with over the years, and pretty much what's personal personal experience and what's best. So opinions again. We love archery, and these are just our thoughts. Yeah, we're yeah we're not we're not trying to argue with anybody or saying anybody's wrong or your techniques wrong because you don't do it my way it everybody does their own thing and yep. that's just how it is all right we've got three more questions left for this episode dude. what spine of arrow should i shoot it all depends on the draw length and your bow weight yeah. i mean can, that, you, can you just give like a short summary it whenever so when i first started working at the at the bow shop i didn't really understand why i was shooting a certain spine of arrow and under, I didn't understand how that worked, and for the poundage I was shooting, I wasn't shooting the right spine, and I, my arrows weren't flying correctly until I actually cranked the poundage up on my bow, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, I was Shot shooting perfect. great. Yeah, I was able to shoot a bullet hole. You're like, shooting okay. too stiff of an arrow. Yep, I was shooting too stiff of an arrow. I was shooting like it was like 50, 55 or 50, 56 pounds. I'm um, shooting a three thirty spine. Oh yeah, torch. and as soon as I bump that up to sixty, lights Fix out. A good bit. Yeah, lights out. All my problems went away. So if you are shooting inconsistently at all, make make sure you check your poundage. You can take it to your local bow shop, get the exact poundage, and your arrow spine, and yeah. you know your draw length. But yeah, the typical rule that I look at, at least when I'm going through quick. Now, if it's right on the edge, I'll do a little more math behind it and figure out what's best. But um, Typically, 65 pound to 75 pound in really any draw length that I use is a 340 spine, 330, 340 spine. I mean, it's stiff enough to handle it, and it seems to tune the best. Now, when you get to, like, much shorter draws, say you're shooting, I I haven't seen this, but a 24-inch draw length, at that kind of poundage, you can probably get away with a 400 spine. And don't be tricked by the like spine numbers when they get lower they get stiffer and that just means there's less flex in them um so yeah and then probably from 55 to 65 pounds i suggest a 400 spine and then anything below 55 50 i'd say a 500 spine arrow would work Um, but again that depends on your draw length because if you're shooting 70 pounds and you have a 30 one 32 inch draw you might need a 300 spine arrow something that's extra stiff just because you got that extra length of your arrow that'll flex more the longer your arrow the more it flexes and that's when you get into playing with what spines best for me and the kind of cam i mean if your bow is a speed bow if it has a real aggressive cam you're gonna want something stiffer if it has a real smooth nice uh draw cam and it doesn't like jerk on you you can get away with something lighter, uh, less stiff. So it, there's a lot that plays into it, and that's something your local bow dealer should be able to help you out with. 
And if not, just about every company that has arrows has a chart that'll tell you. what, And they'll go with a fast cam or slow cam. And then from there, they'll have a chart that says your draw length and your weight. And then you just kind of match up what you have, and it'll tell you what spine. Sometimes you might land on two or three different spines. They say, well, any of these can work. Pick whatever one you want. Then you just go with the weight of arrow or speed you want out of your bow. Yeah, yeah, definitely get it set up set up for you. It's kind of just another piece of the puzzle, just like the peep sight, you know. Mm-hmm. Get uh, when you get the right spine, you shoot you shoot uh, a lot more consistent. And it's better to go too stiff than it is to go too weak. If you're too weak of a spine arrow, you can have a lot of problems. And I mean, we joke around, but it can happen, does happen, that arrows can break yeah. upon a shot because there's just too much energy. When you have too stiff of an arrow, you just have to tune it a different way. Right. You might have to tune it a little more to overcorrect for it, but you can make it work. Most competition arrows are too stiff. Mm-hmm. They're as stiff as they can get because you can tune your bow to that, but you can't tune your bow to something that's too weak. Yeah, that's flexing too much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to skip the next question and save it for last. Okay. This is the second to last question. And I, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. How hard is it to index an arrow? I'm guessing they mean spine index, and that is yeah. to find, to find oh, yeah, the spine of your arrow. Yeah, actually I have there are a lot of ways to do it. Um, you can float them, you can bend them, you can shoot them, you can do whatever you want. I used to float my arrows, and none of this really matters. You're never going to outshoot your arrow. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. But every little thing can help. So if you can figure out like where your spine is and align every arrow up that way, good for you. Like, that's, that's awesome. I used to float them. And usually where the seam is of the arrow, where it's kind of put in, where the spine's located, will be at the bottom when you float it. Um, it doesn't matter. Usually you want your arrow to flex up and down, not left and right. Yep. So you just put a mark on it, on the top of the floating arrow, and say, like, okay, that's, that's the weak side, but it doesn't matter if you put that up or down. Just make that the same for all your arrows. Right. You can also... Put it in a bow press. Yep, that's what I was just going to say. You put it in the bow press and... Just press it and watch which way it flexes up. Whatever way it flexes, well, that's your spine. And then you mark that. You haven't put your cock vein on that, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Either. Yeah, if you put your cock vein, or you you don't even have to put your vein on that. It's just as long as that's what's going up or down, or you align that for every arrow. And then the other way that I've found is shooting it. I mean, if you shoot it out of a hooter shooter, which is like the perfect shot, mm-hmm. like quote unquote. Yep. Um, Spothog don't, makes that. Yeah, Spothog makes it. It's called the Hooter Shooter. It's pretty, it's fairly expensive, yeah, but it's, it's cool. pretty neat. Yeah, it's it's good, good tuning tool. It's good to, for a good start. For yeah. Tuning. Yeah, you get the perfect tune for like a machine. Yep. And then, then every shooter should tune their own too. Yes, tune it to yourself, not yeah. just the machine. But uh, you can... Put unfletched bear shaft arrows through a piece of paper and shoot it out of the hooter shooter. That way you know there's no human error. And you can twist your arrows on your knock to make sure every arrow tears the same direction. And if you want them all going up and down, well, first off, your bow has to be tuned. Like previous to actually indexing your arrows. But 
once that's tuned and you shoot it out of the hoosh here, just twist your knocks until all your arrows are uh, tearing the same way and you're pretty much set. Easy enough to do that. It's easy, but it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. If you want to be perfect, and you know, if you're a pro shooting pro, you know they, those guys are very meticulous about their setups. Yes and no. I mean, a couple of my friends they shoot pro, and talking with them about it, they don't even bother. Yeah. They they say it's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, you're wasting your time. You might just just fletch up an arrow and shoot it. And that's it. Yeah, the hunter mentality. Yeah. It's all good. All right, you ready for the last question? Oh, go ahead. Let's see it. Probably the one that starts the most debates online. Oh, God. So I'm going to make some people angry. Sure. You going to draw roll? Mechanical versus fixed broadheads. <laughs> um... I mean, really, I, I can start this one if you go for it, and then I'll I'll Re- talk in. really, it's 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 all personal preference. You know, they're working at a bow shop. There are guys that come in that only shoot fixed. There are guys that come in that only shoot expandables. You know, it doesn't matter. It's you find what works for you. You know, you find what works for you, and you stick with that until you want to change. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, if you if you like expandable, cool. Get expandable. If you like fixed and fixed says work for you, fixed plates, use that. Yeah. You know, to me it doesn't matter. As long as long as it works for you and you can ethically kill deer and other other animals, other game, then use that. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Now it's it's uh it's still a it's still a touchy subject. I mean a lot of people argue it and I'm not saying one's better than the other. Because, again, it does come down to what you're used to. Yeah. But typically, mechanicals are more accurate because they fly more yeah. like your field tip. And that's what you're practicing with 99% of the time. Yeah. Um, and I don't. you can shoot further, I think, with mechanicals because of that accuracy. Now, don't get me wrong. There's going to be some people saying, well, I shoot fixed blade and I shoot out to 100 yards. Good. Like If you can do that, good for you. But in, in general, fixed blades have a hard time keeping up with the accuracy because they tend to plane. And there's just too much speed and spin coming off of bows now where it really affects it when you have those fixed blades always out there, pretty much like airplane wings. Yeah. I mean, that's why it planes. Now, mechanicals, yeah, there's, there's little tabs that stick out for the most part, but they don't affect it near as much as a fixed blade. Um, like personally, I like my mechanicals. I'll I can shoot further with it, shoot more accurate, and I like a much larger wound channel. Um, I like to push it out to two, two and a half inches. That's and people say it. That's you don't need that. Well, go along with what Jim Shockey said before. Like if you can shoot a three hundred ultra mag instead of a two forty three at a deer, why wouldn't you? Because you know it's gonna definitely kill it it's definitely gonna knock it down faster why wouldn't you go with as big as you're comfortable shooting that's what i'm doing i know my bow can handle it i know what it will do to the animal so i'm going to make it as humane and ethical as possible make it expire faster than uh maybe a smaller uh wound channel 
And there's a lot of things that go on now with mechanical broadheads that uh, fixed blades just don't do. And it's one of those things that's tough to talk about, but when you see it, it makes a lot of sense. But basically, when you shoot a bullet into an animal, you have that massive tissue damage, which is when like that mushroom effect happens. And it makes your wound channel the size of a bullet turn into the size of a pumpkin. I know everybody's seen it when they look at ballistics gel. You see the gel just like turn to a big bubble. Well, broadheads will do the same thing. Not near as big, but when you have a cut-on-contact fixed blade, mm -hmm. it just pretty much puts the hole the size of your broadhead through it, and that's it. Mechanicals have that extra push mm -hmm. because they're expanding they separate out the, the hide and uh, the vitals and everything else and gives it a larger wound channel than the actual cut. So that, and you'll see that on some packaging. Like if it's a two-inch cutting diameter, it'll say two-plus inch because that accounts for it opening and that extra ripping effect. And that's why yeah, it's, it's pretty neat stuff when you watch it in slow motion. It's, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can you can kill ethically with any type of broadhead that you choose. Just make sure you practice because then you're deadly. Yeah. You know, then that's it. That's you, all you need to do. You can do it. You can knock down a deer with a field tip. Yeah. I'm not saying to do it. Please don't. Yeah. But it is possible. You hit it in the right spot, it'll die just as dead as any other uh, broadhead out there. Yeah. So. Yeah, just keep practicing. Any final thoughts? Yep. Not really. Again, this is all kind of just personal preference yeah. and opinion and life experience stuff. We're not trying to step on anyone's toes. It's just we're helping answer questions to these people that are asking. That's really about it. And uh, if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Spectre Broadheads. Uh, it should be Spectre underscore Broadheads on Instagram, right? Yes, sir. And uh, Facebook, just Spectre Broadheads. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the podcast, uh, just send us a message um, or comment on any post that we do. And uh, lastly, guys, deer season, bow season's only a few months away, so get those bows out and get practicing. Yeah, don't wait till the day or week before bow season to shoot and then go into your archery shop and need something because they're going to be busy as ever. I know we are now. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, start today. Don't wait. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else, dude? Yes, sir. All right, guys. Catch you later. Yep, thanks for listening.